You're listening to The Plan Podcast, episode number 21. Today, we're going to get a little bit personal and talk about birth control. I've been off hormonal birth control now for about five years, and I've been pretty open talking about this on my blog and across social media. Every time I bring it up and talk about it, it just really reinforces for me that this is an important topic that we need to be talking about. I think so many women have stories about complications or bad side effects from various forms of birth control, and a lot of us also have stories about the difference we experienced when we went off of it, mostly positive, and because it's a taboo topic, it just isn't discussed very openly, and I really feel like we do a disservice to each other when we're ashamed or embarrassed to talk about it, and I just really hope that if you've been around here long enough, you know that I am not very shy. There's not many things I won't talk about. So despite the fact that my mother-in-law regularly tunes into the podcast, hey, Karen, um, today we are going to dive in and talk about birth control. I'm going to lay it all out there for you with some background information about why I went off, what some of my concerns are regarding how birth control is used and promoted, share some of the information about how I went off, what methods we use instead. And I have a whole bunch of questions that you guys submitted via Instagram that I'm going to answer for you in episode 22, which I'm going to publish today. So it'll be live if you prefer to just roll directly into it after this episode. Um, there are just so many great questions and I wanted to answer them all and it got a little long. So it just made sense to split this into kind of a little two-part series. I'd also like to state that I am not a doctor. This is just my own personal experience, and this podcast contains a lot of my opinions when it comes to women's health and resources that I've found helpful that maybe you won't like or find helpful. Um, but I just hope that it'll help you learn the way that I learned and can kind of get us all on the same page. So go ahead and take it, leave it. I'd recommend consulting with your doctor before you make any big decisions or health changes, of course. But I hope that if any part of you has been thinking about going off birth control and maybe you're just nervous about what awaits you on the other side, that this podcast episode and the resources I'm providing to you can maybe be helpful. So let's go ahead and dive in. Thanks for tuning in to The Plan Podcast. We don't know everything, but we're putting together a plan to figure it out, one topic, an episode at a time. If your goal is to live better, do better, or be better, then this is the podcast for you. So grab your favorite pen, folks, and let's make some plans with your host, Danny Bruflot from Time is Honey. All right, Danny, let's get planning. So like I said at the intro, I am always a bit amazed at the questions and comments that I get whenever I bring up this topic. And I don't know if amazed is the right word. It doesn't really feel right, but I don't know what word is better. Um, I think maybe it's just more comforting. Like I see the questions that people send in and I realize that like they have the same questions I had when I was at the beginning of this journey. And it's comforting to me to realize that I wasn't the only 30-year-old woman who didn't know how to be off birth control without getting pregnant <laughs> and that I had a lot of learning that I had to do to get where I am now. So I think oftentimes people's questions are just a pretty basic curiosity, like questions about you know what it was like going off, if I gained weight, lost weight, if my skin went nuts. Um, but there's also just this kind of underlying theme in the questions that kind of make it obvious that so many of us are really clueless about how our bodies work. And I don't say that to shame anyone because like I just said, that was definitely me a couple of years ago, but it just kind of underscores for me how broken the entire thing is and some of the problems that have with it and how many of us are just kind of like 
blindly taking birth control simply because we've been made to feel like it is the only reliable way for us to prevent pregnancy. And feeling like that is so valid. Sex education in this country is extremely lacking, um, but we already knew that. And it particularly fails at providing young women with the information and tools that they need to accurately track, understand, and feel in control of their fertility. Most sex education programs in the U.S. spend more time explaining different birth control options that women have than they do explaining how to naturally track our cycles, predict ovulation, or even manage the physical and emotional ups and downs that accompany our monthly cycles. And don't even get me started on the fact that most of the responsibility is put on women for preventing pregnancy versus both parties. I have found in kind of my research and my journey that a lot of the information against birth control or about going off birth control can be a little bit fear-mongery. And I do not think that we serve fellow women well when we make each other feel like birth control is harming us or killing us or giving us all cancer. That is not my opinion, and I don't feel that way. That said, there are a lot of things about birth control and the way we consume it and educate on it that make me a little nervous. And I'll talk about that more in today's episode. Um, I definitely don't want to come across as anti-birth control. I'm absolutely not anti-birth control. I am 100% for women having access to it, being able to make all decisions that pertain to their body and their reproductive rights. And along with that, I think that we have just as much right to be off birth control if that's what we want. And I would like to see um, women feel more comfortable with making that decision and women receive better education about all of their options, as well as for women's health to receive equal funding for research. But that is a whole nother rant, and we'll save that for another day. Um, I just want to be really clear here, though, and say that there is nothing wrong with being on birth control if it is the best option for you. Some of us need to be on it for health reasons. Some of us could be putting our job, our safety, or even our life on the line if we had an unwanted or unexpected pregnancy. Some of us have partners who are just not as supportive or cooperative enough to support our choices in pregnancy prevention. Um, and this podcast isn't about vilifying birth control or shaming people for taking it. I took it for almost 15 years and I owe it a big high five for allowing me to avoid unwanted pregnancy. And what I want to share in this podcast are just the basic facts about cycles and fertility and just empowering you with the tools you need to feel comfortable going off if it's something that you're curious about. I think this information is valuable for all of us, but with women kind of on the cusp of feeling at risk of losing birth control options or access to safe abortion, I think that sharing and spreading this information any way that we can is just really important for all of us. So to dive right in here, here's a quick, brief little summary of my experience. So I went on hormonal birth control pills at the age of 14 after experiencing a severe ovarian cyst. And so they put me on hormonal birth control to help with that and to also prevent future ones, which I guess it can be used for. Um, after going on it for several months to clear up the cyst, the physician recommended staying on it. And so I did. I didn't really ask questions. And I think like so many of us, um, we went on it when we were younger. And once we were on it, we felt like we had to stay on it. And for me, Time just kind of flew by. It was like high school, then college, then grad school. Before I knew it, I had been married for a couple of years and we still were avoiding pregnancy. So I was still taking the pill every day. And I realized that I had been taking birth control for almost 15 years. That meant that I had essentially gone, well, I mean, not essentially, I had gone my entire adult life up to that point without really ever having a natural monthly cycle. And I don't think that I'm alone there. So many of us have really no idea what a natural cycle looks like and feels like. 
one of the things that concerns me the most is knowing that I went off the pill and although I didn't have any bad side effects when going off it, it took me a pretty solid year before I could honestly say that my body was in a natural cycle where I felt the very like natural ups and downs and felt like there was a real unhealthy rhythm. Um, my period wasn't irregular. I was getting it very regular. I felt good. Everything felt normal. But I would say it took like a year before things like clicked. And I think that that was kind of the point of reaching like a real hormonal balance. Like you'll hear people talk about balancing their hormones. And, you know, although I think things kind of return to maybe what people would call normal relatively quickly within a month or two, I really do feel like it took a year before like things just clicked and my hormones felt balanced. And I don't really know any other way to put it into words other than things just felt completely normal and balanced and the way they're supposed to be after about a year. And for me, that little fact and like realizing that and observing it and experiencing it firsthand was really kind of scary because very few of us spend at least an entire year free of artificial hormones as adult women. Um, you know, most of us are either on birth control or we're pregnant or we're postpartum or we're breastfeeding. And those things are all hormonal roller coaster rides of their own. A lot of women go straight from being on birth control into periods of five to 10 years of just pregnancy, breastfeeding and child rearing. And suddenly we're kind of in our 40s and we have spent the past 25 years either on artificial hormones or trying to navigate the extreme highs and lows of motherhood while also having really no clue what our natural cycle or baseline looks like. I feel like doctors um, tend to not do a great job of explaining that it might take you up to a year to have a natural cycle again after being on birth control. And so a lot of women are really shocked when they struggle for a year or more to get pregnant. And I think that that can really have a negative impact on women, kind of making them wonder if they're infertile, when in reality, a year for your body to get regular is pretty common. And we don't discuss that maybe planning for like this year long break between birth control and trying to get pregnant um, might be just a good idea in general, both for the mom and the baby, um, just to give the mother's body a chance for her natural cycle to regulate and for her to understand her own, her own hormonal ups and downs and for her body to create the best possible environment for a baby. So I don't want to keep ranting on about this. I could forever. But I will just say that I have a lot of concerns about how many women get pregnant immediately after being on birth control and the impact that this has on their mental health, for sure, but also on the health of the baby. And I also really get worked up thinking about how many women struggle with the whole infertility thing, like coming off the pill, spending a year trying to get pregnant, and just this like frustration and despair that they feel when really that's not that um, unusual, especially if you'd been on the pill for many years. So to say that it concerns me is kind of putting it lightly. <laughs> I saw an illustration on Instagram recently, and I shared it on stories, so you may have seen it, but it said, Long-term menstrual suppression via birth control is the largest uncontrolled medical experiment on women in history. And that has just kind of stuck with me in the, like, the last couple of weeks thinking about that. So I'll kind of end that rant with that. But the hormones that we experience through a 28-day cycle help regulate many systems in our bodies and impact various aspects of our health. Everything from our mental health, our endocrine health, our adrenal health. I mean, which naming those off, it's basically like every aspect of a functioning human body. Um, they're impacted by our natural fluctuation of hormones. So when I think about that, I just realized like this is such a delicate balance or such a delicate system for us to 
mess with, especially on a daily basis if it's not something that is completely necessary. So going off birth control made me aware of what I'd been doing to my body. And after a couple of months off the pill, I found my weight much easier to maintain. I felt much less mental fog, which I hadn't even really realized that I'd head until I went off and then felt what mental clarity was like. And it was like waking up. Um, I had increased sex drive, heyo, and uh, I experienced more emotions, which, you know, both the good and the bad, but I felt like the cycle of my emotions on a monthly basis was more predictable and something that I could anticipate and learn to enjoy and manage rather than the somewhat erratic and unpredictable ups and downs that I experienced while on the pill. So a couple years ago, an acquaintance of mine named Dr. Hannah Anderson wrote a really wonderful blog piece that I thought did a great job of summarizing some of the information I was learning from hours of reading books and listening to podcasts and browsing the internet and just kind of summed it up into a nice little concise article. Um, Her article isn't necessarily exhaustive, um, but I think it's a really good place to start if you're curious about hormones or understanding your cycle. Her full piece is called Birth Control in Your Body, How It Works and Why You Need to Know. And I put a link to the full article in today's show notes, but I am going to read just a couple quick excerpts from it. So Dr. Anderson says, a regular cycle acts as a canary in a coal mine, meaning it tells you and your doctor a lot about your health. Menstrual cycles are one of the first things to go haywire, alerting your body and your doctor that something needs to change. Whether it's stress, diet, nutrition, or other hormones and body systems, a disrupted menstrual cycle is a sign that something else has gone awry. If this cycle is covered up with or completely squashed with artificial hormones, you lose the ability to catch imbalances early. Think about what age most girls go on the pill, 16 or 17. So from mid-teens and beyond, these girls don't know what their body's baseline normal function is. They don't know what an unmedicated body feels like, and their doctor has lost an important measurement of their health. On On a hormonal birth control, there is no real cycle, no ebb and flow of hormones, and therefore no uterine lining is built up. Without a uterine lining to shed, there is no real menstruation. You might have a few days of bleeding, but that is the result of the hormonal withdrawal and does not give you any of the benefits of a real period. That's right. I said benefits of your period. They're real, and here they are. Your cycle reduces bloating thanks to a drop in progesterone on days two to three of your cycle. It is a natural cleanser. Shedding the lining of your uterus is how your body gets rid of bad bacteria and excess minerals. This is something that can prevent several diseases, including heart disease. Your metabolism spikes during your period. You can slow the aging process by getting rid of free radicals through menstruation. And free radicals are things that beat your body up from the inside out, like pollution, cigarette smoke, toxins. The natural hormone peaks and valleys of your cycle give you benefits such as increased sex drive, energy for going to the gym, and better decision-making. My notes on this section are that it helps me understand why I feel healthier being off the pill. It also makes me question birth control methods um, that allow you to have like four periods a year or no periods at all. I know that those exist and that some people take them. And if you love them, great. But hearing this just kind of makes me wonder, you know, why is that something that is healthy for us or good for our bodies? Um, It just seems like menstruating, no matter what, no matter how painful or inconvenient it can be for us, is really valuable to our overall health. And it's also worth noting that just because you're using non-hormonal birth control doesn't mean that you're in the clear from experiencing negative side effects or impacts on your health. If you have the copper IUD, I would definitely encourage you to research that and how slash why it works. Hannah's article had a bit of information about it. So again, go there if you want to read 
um, her full article. But in short, if I had to choose between being on the pill and having an IUD or copper IUD, I would choose the pill, I think, because um, basically to be super brief, copper IUDs basically function by being a foreign body um, that irritates your uterus to the point of it being uninhabitable for a fetus. And in a nutshell, that's basically how it works. It's like your body doesn't want it there, so your body starts doing all these things to try to get it out. And uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it produces white blood cells that are basically like a spermicide. Um, so, I mean, to me, just reading how an, a copper IUD works, it's just kind of like, okay, why why are we like trying to inflame and piss off our uteruses to the point that they won't inhabit a fetus? Like, why would we want a pissed off uterus inside of us? Um, yeah, I am just not, not interested in purposely irritating or inflaming any of my organs. Okay, back to Hannah's article. She continues on by explaining how babies are made. So in case we don't know, we'll dive into this. So babies can happen unless a sperm meets an egg. Day one of a female cycle is the day she starts her period. So that is day one when you're looking at a 28-day cycle. Day one is the first day of your period. Typically, periods last from three to five days. So those are days one through five of your 28-day cycle. A woman typically ovulates around days 11 through 14. This can vary as some of you might be early or late ovulators. And this is why knowing the signs of ovulation is a huge help. And if you don't know what the signs of ovulation are, there's a link in Hannah's article. So go read those. But when a woman ovulates, an egg is released and finds its way down the fallopian tubes where it may or may not find a friend, also known as sperm. A healthy egg and sperm might decide they like each other enough to nestle into the lining of your uterus and grow into a full human. The crucial thing to know here about ovulation is that an egg only lives for 24 hours, maximum 48 hours, and sperm can only survive for three days. So five days if you have like the world's strongest swimmers. So babies can generally only happen if you have unprotected sex three days before or one day after ovulation. So four days total. So four days out of the month or when you're fertile, or potentially fertile. And most women use this information only when they want to get pregnant, but knowing this information is obviously equally helpful when you don't want to get pregnant. So my notes on this section of Hannah's piece, I just love it because it helps us realize that if we have the time and energy to track our cycles enough to know when we're ovulating, there are really only a few days that we need to be concerned about. So for me, the decision was easy. Why put artificial hormones into my body every day rather than just avoid unprotected sex four to six days per month? For me, that answer was really simple, but I know it isn't for everyone. So I have some recommendations later in the show for apps that help you track your cycle. And I promise that it's not as complex as we've been made to believe that it is. Um, but I totally understand that some people just aren't in a place in their life where they want that responsibility. And that's fair. Hannah's article is really informative and, to be honest, just kind of fun to read. So again, there's a link in the show notes. Read the whole thing. But if your ears are kind of perking up and you're finding all of this to be pretty interesting, I'd also recommend the book Moody Bitches by Julie Holland. The book has caught some criticism for being a bit anti-medication, which I think is a valid criticism of her work. But I also think the author's points regarding over-medication are really valuable and insightful. So Moody Bitches aims to educate us on what a natural cycle is like and what natural ups and downs we will experience throughout a natural 28-day cycle. The author doesn't question the fact that depression and anxiety are real conditions that need to be treated with medicine or that you should have the option to medicate them if you choose to. The value that the book provided to me was helping me realize that our natural cycle gives us days of depression and it gives us days of anxiety on a recurring 
fairly predictable schedule. And when I wasn't aware of what my cycle looked like or when these days would occur, it was easy for me to just feel like I was a moody, irrational bitch. (laughs) So like most women on a natural cycle, I have one day about five days before my period begins where all of my hormones plummet. It can leave me feeling more than just a bit depressed. It is like 25 or 25, 24 hours of just complete despair. And it doesn't matter how productive the day before was or the great plans I have for the upcoming weekend. It's just a hormone crash and it leaves me feeling mentally wrecked. And there's really very little that I can do to make myself feel better. Um, In the past, this used to really impact me. Like it would kind of, because I would feel so bad for that one day, it would kind of drag on for like a few days following that. But knowing that it is part of this cycle and being able to anticipate and plan for it, it makes me feel really empowered. So on a recommendation from the book, I started taking tryptophan. Tryptophan? I should have Googled that. I don't know which one it is. Tryptophan? I think tryptophan. Um, But so tryptophan is a supplement and it helps produce serotonin in the body. Um, You've probably heard of it on Thanksgiving. People talk about turkey being really high in tryptophan, but so it produces more of that serotonin in our brain. And this is something that can help if you have that kind of plummet of hormones before your period. So I get it in capsule form and I just take three of them before bed before that day. So if I feel like it's going to be the next day that I'm going to wake up and kind of have that hormone crash, I'll take three of the tryptophan tablets before bed the night before. So again, tryptophan, it's just an amino acid that helps produce serotonin or helps increase serotonin production. So it can just kind of offset that. When you're putting artificial hormones into your body on a daily basis through birth control, it's really hard to reliably predict or understand when this will happen or if it's happening due to hormones or if it's an actual like mental health concern. So depending on what your natural hormone levels are like and how much of each hormone is in your chosen birth control form, you really have no way of knowing what your mood will be like on any given day, predicting it or controlling it. And this can make a lot of women feel depressed or anxious on a daily basis. And sometimes we don't connect this to the fact that we are toying with our natural hormones. There's also the other side of this coin, which is that some women feel very little emotion at all. Instead, they just feel sort of numb and bored with few ups or highs throughout the entire month. So I think that is something I kind of experienced when I was on the pill, just kind of a fog that left me feeling a bit numb and emotionless at times. And on the upside to those mood swings and maybe a bad day or two, your natural cycle will also include a week where you feel more confident and sexier than ever. Your partner will kind of come to recognize this as the week where you won't leave them alone. It's just your body's way of encouraging you to find a mate and, I mean, to put it bluntly, mating. (laughs) But when you know this week is coming and can plan ahead, you can use that energy to do other things like go on a great vacation, pitch a big project to a potential client, lead a workshop, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel good, and make sure that you're planning on having protected sex during this time as well and that you have everything necessary because that is when you are ovulating. So you might also come to recognize those days as the days of the month when you also think that having a baby sounds like a really good idea. (laughs) For me, it occurs every single month when I ovulate. And honest to God, the idea of having a baby is incredibly strong for like 48 hours. And I'll talk more about this in the Q&A, but it is. It's very fascinating to me. But despite some of the criticisms of the book, Moody Bitches, I think it should be required reading for all women and maybe for men too. I made Josh actually listen to it in the audiobook format um, during a very long car ride a few years ago. So just take her criticisms of medication lightly if you can or avoid the book if that's a big trigger for you. 
I found tremendous value in what she says about women's ups and downs, the mood swings, sensitivities, anxieties, and now I just really view them more like super superpowers that we get to experience and that we can anticipate and control. Another resource that I have found super helpful is Alyssa Vitti, both her writing and her MyFlow app. Alyssa is the author of Woman Code, which is an incredible read if you're interested in women's health, but the MyFlow app is a really incredible tool both for fertility tracking and cycle syncing. The app basically takes everything that I've mentioned so far in this podcast and packs it into a little app on your phone. It helps you track your entire cycle along with all of the ups and downs and symptoms that come along with it. It will help you determine when you ovulate and it notifies you as you move into each of the four phases of your cycle. So yes, we have a 28-day cycle, but within that, there are actually four distinct phases. And this isn't some weird hippy-dippy like pray to the moon cycle stuff. These cycles distinguish the way our hormones change week to week when we are on a natural cycle as our body prepares for a potential pregnancy. So the four phases are the follicular phase, ovulation, the luteal phase, and then menstruation. The app will tell you what emotions you're likely to feel each week, what type of workouts might be the most beneficial, what types of foods will benefit your body during that week because certain foods kind of can help support you as you are kind of experiencing the different hormonal shifts and what some of your strengths and weaknesses might be. So maybe you didn't know that during certain weeks you might feel more creative or more in charge and other weeks you might be more thoughtful and There are just different activities and different things you could focus on throughout each week of the cycle. So for me, one of the best parts of going off the pill has been the empowerment I feel in knowing my cycle so well and in learning how to support myself by using the food I eat or the activities I choose and by recognizing that I do have those certain strengths and weaknesses each week and finding power and value in that rather than feeling like just irrational, emotional, or moody. The other thing about this app that I think is really amazing is that you can actually add your partner to it so that they receive the same emails and alerts that you receive as you move into each phase. It gives your partner the same information it gives you, letting them know what sort of activities might be beneficial or what types of things they could do to support your mood and emotions. So maybe like staying out of the way, planning a movie night, maybe planning something romantic. It might not be for everybody. I'm sure there are people out there who would prefer that their husbands or partners not be getting email notifications about their cycle and their mood. But for us, it works really well. And I really love this feature. And quite honestly, I give it a lot of credit for kind of finding happiness and balance in my marriage and maintaining that. Um, I think it's just a really good way not only for your partner to be in tune with your fertility and, you know, what days you're fertile and should avoid unprotected sex, but it really just gives them a lot of great insightful information to kind of help with communication and just general coexisting cohabitation. I don't know. I think it's really great. But another thing that I'll add into this section is that last summer I got a Fitbit again, and I hadn't had one in a couple of years, but it was, um, I kind of just purchased it to track my walking because I'd been walking so much, but I was really excited to get back into it. And I loved seeing that they had added features for tracking women's health within the Fitbit app. So all you have to do is go into settings and enable that feature and then add in some information. So I think it just basically asks for the first day of your last period. And then right when your app 
opens up on the home screen, you'll have a little countdown to your fertile window or your next period. And if you click on it, it'll go to a calendar so you can see when your upcoming periods are going to be. So, you know, if you're planning an upcoming vacation or you're going to host a a workshop or do something like that, and you kind of want to plan that around your cycle, you have this really helpful little calendar that shows you when your fertile window is going to be and when your uh, period is going to be for every upcoming month. Having all this information, like basically literally right in the palm of your hand (laughs) um, is helpful. And between having that, you know, just the app and then the alerts and emails from the MyFlow app, I feel like technology has me completely covered. Okay, so I'm going to kind of wrap this episode up. This is something that I could honestly go on and on about for hours, (laughs) like seriously. But what I really hope you get out of this episode is maybe just a curiosity about your body, especially if you're a woman who has been taking birth control pretty consistently since your adolescence. If you've just like, if you've never spent at least one full year off birth control um, while also not being pregnant, postpartum, or breastfeeding, I really hope that this episode has made you curious about what that might be like and what normal might actually look like for you. If you are on birth control and planning to have children in the near future, I also hope that this episode will encourage you to read the books that I recommended and to maybe think about your family planning at least a year in advance. And to consider going off the pill and just using natural family planning or protected sex for that full year to avoid pregnancy before you're ready, just to give your body a chance to regulate and be as prepared as it can for pregnancy. I want to promise you that life without birth control is not that scary or complex. It's not as bad as we've been made to believe. We all have unique circumstances, and I know that I'm very lucky to be in a place where I could go off of it and to have a very supportive partner who's on board with it. I honestly have had, you know, less pregnancy scares in the last five years than I had in the 15 before it, and I'm going to talk about that more in the next episode um, where I'm going to answer all the questions that you guys submitted through Instagram. So, Once again, if you want to hear more about, you know, my specific experience and answers to some of those questions that were asked, you can dive directly into episode 22 now. It is live. Um, For more details about the blog post, books, and some additional podcast episodes on this topic, you can head over to today's show notes at plannedpodcast.com. I've put all the links there for you, and I will see you over at episode 22 for the Q&A. Thank you for tuning in and making some plans with us today. You can find the show notes for all episodes over at planpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to tell someone about it by sharing this episode with them and taking a moment to rate us and review us in the App Store. Don't forget, we've got plans next week, and we will see you then.